at a time when the coronavirus pandemic has left us all feeling vulnerable and uncertain, violence is being unleashed on the women and children of our country with a brutality that defies any form of comprehension. The women of our country are being raped, they are being killed by men. Over the past few weeks, no fewer than 21 women and children have been murdered. It is deeply disturbing that the spike in crimes against women and children has coincided with the easing of the coronavirus lockdown. According to the police, violent crime, especially murders and attempted murders, have increased since alert level three took effect on the 1st of June. Cases of abuse of women and children have also increased dramatically. We need to ask some very difficult questions of ourselves as a society. In particular, we need to examine the effect of alcohol abuse, not only on levels of violence, but also on road accidents and reckless behavior. This Econ is racist. I've never ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a Arms, Can you please come in? Hello and welcome to another edition of our Sunday Times Politics Weekly Podcast, a weekly show where we try to dissect and unpack uh, political issues, be it social, economic, socio-economic or otherwise. And this time around, we are looking into the issue of gender-based violence that has once again come into the spotlight. We know that uh, the Sunday Times, for instance, this past Sunday reported about the gruesome murder of Tehofa Zobule from Soweto, and the suspect to that case appeared in court this week, whipping and abandoned their request for bail. And there has been a lot of other reported cases around um, issues that relate to gender-based violence. Uh, but as always today, I am not alone. I am joined by the usual suspect, Apuwe Tiket. When there's a new mm-hmm. player in town, uh, Sisanda Alu Tamboleka, which is our new colleague here at the Sunday Times Politics Desk. Uh, colleagues, welcome. Firstly, uh, Susanda, what is your general take on the clip that we played uh, as an opening of President Cyril Ramaphosa commenting on the issue of gender-based violence? And do you believe that uh, politically our politicians, starting with the president himself, are taking the issue of gender-based violence seriously? Journalism constitutes one of the very few available avenues for survivor stories to be heard, right? So it becomes Mm -hmm. very important in the manner in which we report and, and, and speak about uh, gender-based violence. And this not only speaks in newsrooms, but also goes to social media. Um, one thing I have noticed in the president's address yesterday is that the way that he addresses femicide now is how a lot of young people on social media have been agitating for, right, in terms of the way that we speak. So there's been this narrative of men who kill women are monsters, or they're sick in the head. Um, it's just been a narrative that seeks to take away 
um, uh, the, the, the responsibility, right, um, from abusers. And one thing that I noticed about uh, President Cyril is that he called men men. And when he mentioned women, he didn't say our women because women do not belong to men, right? And he mentioned the shaming of women and their lifestyle choices. And he also said that it wasn't alcohol that abuses men, but men. And for me, it's just, it, it's very, it's, it's considerable, considerable to note that the president is seeing uh, what young people are agitating for and how we are reporting in the news um, so that the right social change can be um, advocated for. So I, I think I commend the, the president for noting all these claims, but again, we know that all of that at some point needs to translate to actual action to protect women in this country. But, Susanna, on, on, on the issue that you were raising around alcohol, he does appear to draw a comparison be, between uh, the influence of alcohol and how people behave and how people end up committing these, uh, you know, the, this, the, any kind of violence, be it sexual assault or uh, any other assault on women. He By saying that the, the, the rise in cases began... Uh, at, at the beginning of this month when uh, the lifting of the ban on alcohol was effected. Whereas we've had before as well, you see, uh, one thing about our company that amazes me is how they contract each other. We've had before from Begitra during the lockdown, in fact, at the height of the lockdown on level five, Begitra had come with a statement that said that there was a, rising, a rise in cases of gender-based violence because most people were locked within the same space, but at the time people didn't really have alcohol. So which is which here? What, what, what do you have to say about uh, this particular issue of alcohol and, and, and gender-based violence? I think for me, uh, by me mentioning that he, he said it isn't alcohol that abuses women, but men, I think he's trying to drive at, at, a, at a point where we stop absolving men for their actions. And we stop blaming it on substances. Yes, there might be a link between alcohol aggravating a man to the point where he feels that he has power over a woman and that he should abuse her. But, I mean, as you said as well, Peggy Kale had mentioned the rise in gender-based violence because now people are locked in their houses with their abusive spouses and there was no alcohol at that point. Um, so I think at the same time, what Cyril was trying to get at, if I had heard him correctly, is that... It's not the bottle of, of whiskey that will go and will stab a woman. It is the man himself, whether he is intoxicated or not. And I think that's that's the point I'm trying to make here um, about mm. how we need to be very conscious in the way that we report on things and the discourse we use around gender-based violence because men are the problem here, not necessarily alcohol. Yes, there are aggravating factors um, and that differ from case to case, but with or without the absence, with or without alcohol, men abuse. I think that that's the point I'm trying to get at. Mm. is do we have a, a political will to deal with the issue of gender-based violence once and for all, or do we just have politicians who like politicking and talk shops? Because we would remember that this is not the first time, as I was saying in a, in a, a different conversation yesterday, that today's a, a and a tendency to make the issue of gender-based violence seasonal in this particular country. And that, uh, for me, I mean, it starts with the media, goes to politicians. Politicians will always play to the gallery. We would know that the current president, Cyril Ramaphosa, uh, was it last year or the year before that, even had a whole 
uh, summit around the issue of gender-based violence. Yes, uh, last year there was, uh, as part of the seasonal uh, outrage, there was an issue of UNNM Kwechana, and, and we don't seem to see what is it that is tangible in terms of practical things that could be done, that is done other than even speeches like that one of the president uh, mm, this week. Mm. So do you believe that there is real political will to address the issue once and for all in terms of, pra- of the practical way of doing things? Abir? Thank you, uh, Vum Vum. I look at it uh, twofold. Um, I think uh, in as much as um, there may be political will, there is uh, uh, um, not knowing what to do uh, in order to address this issue from our politicians, you would look at uh, our politics, uh, look at uh, the, uh, the political parties that are in parliament. In the main, our politics are led and driven by men. When it comes to those issues, for some reason, some of the things um, that lead uh, to gender-based violence, maybe they are insensitive to them, they don't understand them, or in some cases, they think certain issues and issues to begin with. So it's it's not surprising that uh, the way we deal with gender-based violence, uh, it's very reactionary. Uh, only when there is a, a murder that has been publicized, only when there is a gruesome murder, then uh, you then turn attention to that. You don't have people who are thinking ahead, who are looking at uh, issues uh, of how we uh, raise our kids uh, how we condition them, how we educate them, uh, how we incorporate uh, uh, this issue uh, through our curriculum, um, how on our everyday uh, lives uh, uh, the issues that affect women uh, uh, are, are raised or are addressed. I think that's the key problem. Uh, I'm encouraged by uh, the speech by the president um, yesterday. Uh, it seems for once, uh, he, he took some time uh, and touched on a, a lot of points that uh, people have been making. Uh, uh, I agree with uh, Sisanda on it. Not uh, uh, coming up with, uh, uh, it seems he listened and, and consulted. And uh, you, you have to commend uh, the people who have advised him uh, to structure a message like that to say to South Africans, uh, to us as men in South Africa, that you are the problem, um, uh, we are the ones that are committing these crimes, and and, and so on. So, Aluda, in terms of the question that I asked Apu and how he answered it around political will, and Apu raised an issue of not there being enough women in, in mainstream politics to be able to make men understand these issues. But people would argue that it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to be a female to understand issues of gender-based violence. And in fact, there's more or less about 50%, 50% representation in politics, particularly that of the ruling party, the ANC. We, they even have a specified structure within the ANC, which is called the ANC Women's League. And, uh, you know, there's uh, also the Young Women's Desk. You know, so 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 in terms of those formations within the governing party and government in particular, where we have almost half the cabinet as female ministers, do you believe that uh, Aluta, uh, women within the political space are doing enough to make sure that something tangible, something practical, is done to address these issues? Because they are also like uh, their the fellow men uh, politicians; they only speak as and when there's these issues that are highlighted. But generally that issue seems to take a backseat even among women in politics. What is your view? 
yes, there is a 50-50 more or so gender representation, but uh, I think the conversation now needs to move beyond that. The conversation now moves beyond the 50-50 in checking who or who holds which position in that 50-50. It doesn't help to have a 50-50, but say the outcry in, in, in the country is how members of the members of law enforcement deal with victims of gender-based violence. And you're telling me a, a, a minister of police, who's a man, is going to inherently understand the psyche that, that, that victims have when they walk into police stations. Just the other day, he was denying that um, there's police brutality, yet we're seeing fellow black men dying at the hands of the, the, the policemen in this country. How more so when women are walking in as victims of gender-based violence at police stations and being turned away and told to go and fix things at home with their husband and not involve uh, members of the police force. So I think the truth of the matter is really, it is, an, is, it is inherently uncomfortable for politicians to address gender-based violence because then they have to first admit that they're part of the problem, right? You can tell me about having 50% uh, women MPs, but is their voice heard on these issues? Um, and even if their voice is heard, even if they are consulted, the people that can effect change and pass these laws, do, do you think there's a, there's, a, there's a wall from their side? Which is something I think is not there, right? Um, mm. It was not so long ago. Gender-based violence was a, a political football in Parliament. And obviously that sparked outrage, but women were silenced again by letters and statements of apology without anyone really going to investigate the possible truth behind those claims. I don't think there's, there, there is more than a handful of politicians in this country who can stand bravely and say they have never ever in their life or never been in a position where they could have been seen as someone who is either a perpetrator or or someone who not condones gender-based violence but um but is is complicit to it right in any way shape or form and i think we need to also move away from viewing gender-based violence as inherently ending up in death someone does not need to die for it to be gender-based violence I do not need mm. to end up in hospital to be gender-based violence. Just being catcalled, that is that is infringement on my safety as, 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 as a woman. So I think once we dissect where the problem lies and we don't just classify it now when it's too late and we don't just cause outrage when it's too late, I think that's when we're going to be able to move or drive the conversation in a different direction. But as for mm. um, are women formations doing enough, I think women formations like the Young Women's Desk um, within the NCT Women's League, also aren't having an easy time there, I would think. Um, I remember from my days on campus, all they are really is an activist group. All they exist to do is agitate, but do they have access to those spaces? Are, are they in those boardrooms where laws and bills are, are decided upon? I don't think so. So I think mm. we must be, we, 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 we applaud their, their, their activism and making of posters and writing of statements and supporting families of, of, of victims of gender-based violence, but we, we, we can't inherently say it is up to them and they, they must fix the country's issues because they aren't, they aren't in the same rooms as those, those, those decision-makers necessarily. Hmm. Well, what, what is becoming evident here in our conversation is that the governing party and its government in particular are not doing uh, enough uh, to address the issue of gender-based violence. If anything, it would seem that all they are engaged in is lip service and a lot of uh, you know, unfortunate and unnecessary 
talk to us. But let's get to 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 you know to to look into how political uh, uh, opposition political parties are putting pressure on the governing party to do what is necessary. Let's first hear what uh, the president of the EFF, Julius Malima, had to say around this issue uh, on Youth Day. Our communities must take a leaf from the 1976 generation and organize themselves in a defense of the lives of women and children and report perpetrators of abuse before there is a loss of life. It is from those brave combatants that we can learn collective solidarity and defeat the evil of gender-based violence. Apiwe uh, say there is the leader of the EFF, Julius Malema, who has, in fact, in the main, if we were to talk about speech, uh, you know, just talk, uh, who has made the issue of gender-based violence part uh, a core of uh, all his political speeches. As someone who has covered the EFF extensively, I, I can vouch for him in as far as speaking against gender-based violence. But as, we, as they say, talk is cheap. How about action? We would remember... Uh, Susanda raised earlier the issue of the gender-based violence issue being made political football uh, earlier in the year in Parliament, wherein this leader of the EFF, Judas Madima, was involved, where there was throwing of mud between himself and uh, uh, you know the the the, 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 the NCMP, uh, Boema Mabulu, and Judas Madima are making allegations against the president and counter allegations and all those issues. Uh, but uh, in as far as the EFF is concerned, Apiwe, uh, do you believe that they are playing their role? Of course, they are the opposition. They don't necessarily have uh, what it takes to make the necessary change in its entirety. Do you believe that they are doing enough as an opposition party to put pressure on the governing party to do the right thing on gender-based violence? Look, uh, in so far as they are uh, an opposition party, I am um, not too unhappy with them. Uh, I think they have been championing this issue. Uh, you are correct. Um, in all the rallies, I remember I was saying this to you some other time when we were covering elections. Uh, their leader has always been on the uh, on the forefront of uh, condemning uh, such actions, and and and, and, and even uh, when they are linked to xenophobia and so on, he has been on the forefront. But as you saying, uh, talk is cheap. Uh, we must remember his history. Uh, with his support of the president, where he basically made very nuts uh, comments about crazy uh, and that she asked for money for taxi following the allegations of rape by then president Jacob Zuma. Well, people learn, people change. Let's hope in his case that is that. But from the episode we saw uh, in parliament, one doubts here and there. But in terms of you see, you would rather have someone who stands up and talks about these things, uh, and then we pick on uh, the instances where they've done wrong, than to have a leader who is silent on these matters and not talking at all uh, to their supporters. So, from my side, I think, um, yes, uh, they've done quite a bit uh, in their uh, public utterances, and that they are female MPs. Uh, and members have been allowed space uh, to express uh, uh, such uh, a wrong, uh, or rather their views uh, on these matters. Uh, they have not been reactionary. If you look at them on social media, you must remember the march that they had sometime last year. Uh, uh, they have been thousands of women marching uh, uh, against gender-based violence. Even when there were no moon incident, or rather when there was no 
famously covered incident of uh, gender-based violence, or no one had died at the time. So I, I, I'm, I'm a bit happy about uh, the work that they have been doing um, uh, compared to other opposition parties. I hear you, Apiwa. I hear you fully. And But mine is to just say, again, it is uncomfortable for our politicians, regardless of the color of their T-shirt, to address gender-based violence, because then they'd have to admit that they're part of the problem. I think with the CIC, we see and we hear his utterances in the media, right? Um, but for me, it just seems as though he's perpetually throwing stones at a glass house. Just not so long ago, I think two years ago, 2018, there's a very famous story of women in the EFF speaking out about their pain and frustration with physical abuse that they suffered at the hands of their uh, male counterparts and how the party has not supported them. I don't recall uh, the CIC being as vocal about those issues. So it, it, it just seems to me that we need to get to the point where now, yes, we can applaud you and commend you for speaking out against these things, but we need action. Women are literally dying at the hands of men. And all we are seeing is utterances, utterances, and utterances. I think each politician must just fix their house and fix their house in a way that brings justice to the victims of gender-based violence and not just be an event where journalists are called and, and you speak and you speak and we'll write articles that we'll file and then the next day we move on to the next best thing. Mm. Well, to talk about that, indeed, I, I, I fully agree with you, Susanna. Talk, as I said earlier, is cheap, really, but also the role of an opposition party in terms of action. But as you say, it starts really at home and that's when you get to understand if someone is genuine or real about their position in as far as gender-based violence is concerned. But just moving along as time is against us, comrades, just quickly, the two of you, I'll start with you, Susanna. In as far as the DA is concerned, I've always found the DA to be quite uh, completely missing in action in as far as the issue of gender-based violence is concerned. What are your guys' views? Am I correct? Am I wrong? I think you're very accurate. Um, the DA, really, I think we just need to come to a realization in this country that they are there to exist and, and serve interests that affect their people directly or their constituency directly. Now, this is not to say that uh, members of their constituency do not uh, face gender-based violence, that they do not, or they, that, that they are not victims of gender-based violence, but for them, an issue such as alleged farm murders matter more, as I would think, according to how their activism is directed. I think issues of uh, farm murders or alleged farm murders would matter more than women being beaten up, because that's that's the the, the calculation I am getting from their utterances on in the media and 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 their activism. So I I, I always find that the Democratic Alliance is found wanting on on social issues, especially burning social issues that affect the black majority in this country. Mm. Abiyo, do you agree with Susanna's very strong views? <laughs> Look, uh, in, in so far as the DA is concerned, I don't. I don't feel them uh, when it comes to making statements publicly. Uh, um, if you compare them with the EFF uh, or, or with the ANC, they don't have that vigor um, in, in, in talking about these matters. They say they are working on a, on a bill to tackle uh, gender-based violence. Uh, they said it last year as well, around uh, that time uh, of the death of uh, Oinene. Uh, they have a women's uh, uh, league of, of some sort, 
Um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe because they are a, a, an opposition party and how they, they deal with politics and the spotlight tends to be more so on other issues when it has to be, when it has, it has to do with them. Yeah, the, a number of their public reps, uh, they release statements condemning and, and, and they go and have, uh, 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 you know, go to uh, uh, open a case here and there. But even there was that that issue in Parliament, their uh, chief whip at the time is a woman. She 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 stood up and spoke. But do you remember what she said? When? No, I, I I don't seem to be to be getting. Uh, uh, but anyway, maybe I'm being unfair on them. Yes. No, definitely. I'm sure we'll talk until uh, next year around this issue. We'll talk until the next day. In actual fact, if we were to. Uh, keep talking, but unfortunately we are limited to time because of uh, the size and length of our podcast. But thank you so much, guys, for joining us today. We'll keep on shining the light to all the issues that matter. Uh, unfortunately, ours is just to write and talk. We do not have the power to effect uh, change in a practical manner like uh, the political leaders that we have in our country do. We do hope that political leaders in this country will begin to take the issue of gender-based violence, much more serious. They are in parliament, the majority of them, be it opposition, governing party, they have the power to effect change in real terms by making the laws and the rules that speak to uh, people who are serious about issues of gender-based violence. From last year, there has been talk about the publishing of the List of Sexual Offenders Act. To this day, I don't know what is happening in that regard. There has been talk around the... Uh, uh, amendment of the Criminal Procedure Act in as far as it relates to gender-based violence, but up to this stage, I am not sure if there's any real progress that has been made in that regard, which is uh, rather unfortunate. So enough of the talk. We don't want no more summits. We don't want to hear no more political speeches and political point scoring along the political parties and uh, political lines. Enough is enough. Gender-based violence is real and gender-based violence affects all of us. We, we, we demand real change, we demand real action from all our pres- uh, our politicians, starting right on the top with President Cyril Ramaphosa, down the line MPs, opposition parties, and everyone involved in the decision makings in this particular country. Thank you very much, my colleagues. And I am your host, Zingisa uh, Mbunvu. Catch us next time, continue to engage us uh, on the social media platforms with the hashtag STPoliticsWeekly. You can get our podcast on iono.fm and all other platforms where your pods are casted. Thank you very much and we'll catch you next time. Bye now. <laughs>